Hey there, and welcome to the memoir my dad wouldn't write. This is a limited series of conversations between a daughter and a father about the things that make us family and the items in my dad's 80 years that have helped to shape who he is today. You know, he's had this incredible life as a cultural worker, poet, professor, an activist, and mentor, but he wouldn't write a memoir. So this podcast is a way to get those conversations on to tape and to find out exactly what shaped this incredible and complex and far from perfect man that I love, Eugene Benjamin Redmond. If you've ever wondered what it would be like to be radically honest with your father and to hold no bars, well, sit back and enjoy. I think you're going to find this fascinating. that we were in high school we were part of protests local protests so like every other community <coughs> uh, black community we were inspired by what happened in uh, Greenboro the sit-ins mm-hmm. the okay. sit-ins in Greenboro mm-hmm. in 55 mm. oh wow so <coughs> and then of course there was uh Rosa Parks and Emmett Till, we were doing the same thing downtown in East St. Louis. Really? What yeah. what sorts of things were you protesting? Well, we were protesting. We had... East St. Louis was segregated. Okay. Yeah. There were restaurants you couldn't go into. There were um, certain other establishments you couldn't go into. There were some places you had to enter by certain doors, through mm. certain doors. Um, <clears throat> we had no uh, people beyond janitors working in banks mm-hmm. and department stores and five and so-called five and dime store. And you know what I'm wondering, too, about the finer points of whiteness? Mm-hmm. Because you've told me time and again that... Um, East St. Louis, in many ways, was a city of immigrants. That's right. So, had the Armenians and the Jewish people become white and created segregated establishments as well? Or were they on some gradation? No, no, they were... <coughs> they were... Um, they were white. We knew them. Okay. We knew we knew because, <laughs> because each one had... Each ethnic group had its own neighborhood. Mm-hmm. We had ours. We had the largest single ethnic group mm-hmm. because we had the the South End essentially. Okay. And uh, but the so we, but blacks we, and, and our, but we Jews as and, a race outnumbered out, the okay. others. But they had come with one being white and two mm-hmm. with some of the things that um, <clears throat> they had in the mm-hmm. old land. Oh, you know, okay. they, yeah, they had brought, so some wealth. It's like the suburb creations, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, coming, you know, mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. your former landlord. Right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
recent to these shores. Right. right. When I when I lived in St. Louis, mm -hmm. the man who owned my building was a Serbo-Croatian yeah. uh, immigrant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and there's talking? a and there I think they are the largest Serbo-Croatian community outside of that country. Serbo-Croatian. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Over in St. Louis, yes. <clears throat> well, it's like Poland's and Hamtramck Hamtramck in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And Polish in Chicago, where they have a national museum. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Right. So. <clears throat> um. So we were aware, and individually, individually, they knew, these ethnic groups knew something about hardship and something about oppression, mm, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and because, you know, Armenians had been slaughtered in Turkey, mm -hmm. and the Jews, of course, had been part of the pogrom, mm -hmm. and the Holocaust mm -hmm. after that. So... And they told us about it, but my, but but still, they were in places, they were at crossroads mm. where all the people came, so they had to be careful about not running away the white clientele mm. or mm -hmm. not being harassed by officialdom mm. because they had too many black people around. Mm -hmm. Um, I can see it in the mall now, in St. Clair Mall. Hmm. I can see the edginess because like most malls in the country, <clears throat> the darker it gets, the blacker the mall gets. Mm -hmm. And this is the mall where you take your daily walks That's when it's right. too cold to walk outside. That's right. It's St. Clair Mall down mm -hmm. the street, uh, uh, a mile from me. Anyway... <clears throat> There is an uneasiness um, when clusters of black people walk together. Because hmm. people, most people don't come from places where they see 10, 12, 15 black males walking. Mm -hmm. And they do it in the mall. Mm -hmm. So, and now there's a black barbershop. I got my hair cut that the other day. In the mall, there's a black barbershop? There's shop? a black barbershop. Ooh, okay. Called All-Star All Star Cuts. Oh, okay. I yeah. need to go in there and get my hair shaped yeah, up. Yeah, get your hair <laughs> and, and take around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, my, my point is that uh, <clears throat> I just wanted to say that the kind of um, the kinds of demonstrations, as we call them. Mm, you know, demonstrations. <clears throat> mm -hmm. um, protests on behalf of uh, the black press for equality and uh, dignity and humanity. Mm -hmm. uh, jobs and freedom, as it was so cogently put during the Million Man March. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, excuse me, there, not, not that was the name, during the, during the, the 1963 mm. march mm -hmm. um, for jobs and freedom. Jobs and freedom. Um, Mm. And um, hmm. so <clears throat> I just wanted to say that we were, those who were conscious were very active. Can you remember one protest or demonstration in particular that you participated in? Well, you in? know, what was interesting, I, uh, the, I was going to extend that. One of, one of the things we did was we protested conditions at the school, at an all-black school. At your all-black high school. Right. And one thing we protested and some students walked out of the school was 
the fact that the people who worked in the cafeteria didn't didn't wear hair nets. Hmm. And some kids had found some hair in the food. Hmm. Um, so we won that one. Okay. From then on, the cooks and everybody who worked with food wore hair nets. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just thinking about how <clears throat> how you have to work both inside and outside. Mm-hmm. And we were also aware of black politicians selling us out. Oh, really? We would, we would write about that mm-hmm. and pass notes around, right? And uh, we knew that the black people in charge of things got their positions um, at the um, uh, mercy, if you will, mm. uh, through through patronage. Mm-hmm. And that's, we learned that very early. And that's how black people who have positions all over the country get them mm. through patronage. They owe something. They promise, I promise you my precinct mm-hmm. votes. I promise you um, that uh, your store will be safe. Mm-hmm. You know, I promise you this, I promise you that, that uh, you'll get elected. You know, again. Mm-hmm. So patronage is how black people have survived after slavery, mm-hmm. tenant farming. Then, as we got different rights to vote mm-hmm. and and to um, own land, then patronage mm-hmm. was the next step. So it's a I'll home. scratch your back, you yeah. scratch mine. Precisely. But the problem is that yeah. it's a, a narrow scratch. It's a narrow scratch. <laughs> it's a real narrow scratch. So the material and lived lives of your constituents don't change. Just really your pocket changes. Precisely. It's like mm-hmm. it's like Morris County, Texas elects 19 black women judges. Mm-hmm. East St. Louis couldn't get one. Mm. other than one that was turned over. Mm -hmm. But East St. Louis, an all-black city, Mm -hmm. couldn't throw its block vote to a black woman. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's so glaring, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So, um, but it's patronage. Mm. Because what do you get? Well, you get money. You get money to give money to people to vote, mm-hmm. to people who are going to help get out the vote. Mm-hmm. And so essentially what you're doing is, you know, literally, di- directly and indirectly buying votes. Mm-hmm. That's how it takes place, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's on up the ladder. I mean, it, it's done to everybody, but if you have a community in which that is a stasis, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, that's just the way it happens. Because the larger portions and the larger occupants of larger types of income-generating activities mm-hmm. are not black. Mm. You know. So the, the financial power center is not black. So black people are relegated to patronage and in the metaphor of... Uh, uh, Langston Hughes, the crumbs from the table. That's right. Patronage 
and um, <coughs> excuse me, and uh, uh, and a, and, a, and a nefarious cycle, mm-hmm. which takes the money that come that we make from patronage, mm-hmm. uh, that we get derived from patronage, out of our hands immediately, mm-hmm. because there's nowhere to store it, to recycle it. Mm-hmm. In some communities recycle their money up to say 20 times mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the community mm-hmm. you know that's why I personally make it a point to every time I go to East St. Louis to buy something mm-hmm. in East St. Louis mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. you know I go down and I buy the papers you know from the bars in the corner mm-hmm. I'll stop at a store you know mm-hmm. I'll stop at um uh, uh well the only well not Close to the only drugstore. Mm-hmm. I might stop by a bar and have me a sip or something. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but I, I'm just I'm just conscious of literally spending some money mm-hmm. with uh, with 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 my people. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> so, and that's what I say to everybody. Just just make fun. You're going you're going to visit your mama. You're going to do this. You're going to a sorority meeting. You're going to the Delta Center, stop at the mom and pop store and get and get you something, you know. Mm-hmm. Just be aware. Because mm-hmm. it really doesn't take that much if everybody is doing it a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. So, but we don't turn it around. So everybody gets their money and then takes it and gives it to other people, mm-hmm. people outside the community. Mm-hmm. And that's a real, so, <clears throat> so and that's how we, we, we're kept unempowered, mm. how we kept powerless. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> and that's every black community. And Now, some black communities uh, have, you know, uh, use it. Mm-hmm. I'm noticing, for example, that Akwaba, which uh, means uh, welcome in, in African language, mm-hmm. has got a, got a B&B in Ferguson. There's one in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. There's one in D.C. Mm-hmm. Maybe two in D.C. They're, they're, they're spreading across the country. Mm-hmm. Little motel. I stayed in one uh, last year when I was at the National Black Writers Conference. Okay. And um, and they have rooms named after black uh, figures of mm-hmm. Jonathan Hurston and Langston Hughes and um, um, uh, Sterling Brown, like that, that that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And and antique, you know, stuff from our days and slavery and beyond, and African. Items in the rooms, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. vanities and beds, mm-hmm. and you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, um, uh, <clears throat> so anyway, that that's part of how how we've been kept where we are. So it was, as I said, slavery, and then you know, a, a kind of freedom that George Washington, George uh, Booker T. Washington, describes and. Up from slavery, mm-hmm. where uh, you're given freedom, but where do you have to go? Where can you go but back to Massa? Mm. Tenant farming. Mm-hmm. And then from tenant farming, you know, you, you get a break in there with some elected officials, you mm-hmm. know, senators, mm-hmm. congress people, and so on and so forth. Um, and then the slip back. You know, reconstruction, mm-hmm. the slip back, and then when you come back with the vote, 
and your own community, mm -hmm. then uh, after tenant farming, which is a form of slavery, mm -hmm. which means mm -hmm. you're in debt, con all, forever in debt. Mm -hmm. So then you, um, you you go from tenant farming to your to your own settlement mm -hmm. with the vote, and then uh, that's when the jobs jobs will begin to jobs and freedom. Yeah, and I and I don't. I in. yeah, I have kind and of a mm -hmm. the, um, and that's where the patronage the patronage. Yeah, and um, so you became a man during what us writers call the modernist era mm -hmm. um, in the 20th century. So you were birthed from people who came from tenant farming, sharecropping, left the Deep South That's right. to come up here. And then they produced this new version of a yeah. black person, you. <laughs> mm. So as you moved Toward high school graduation and beyond, how would you characterize your your race consciousness and your yeah. like right now? You just articulated a pretty complex, you know, view of someone who's lived a long time. But where right. was your mind at when you were like seventeen, eighteen? Okay, and let let me just say though that <clears throat> let's keep the writer here because mm. <clears throat> you know I envision a movie about a poet. Mm -hmm. You know about a writer, mm -hmm. a lot of poets in it, but all the stuff we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And at one point I even wanted to make movies, you know. I, I really liked what I saw in uh, uh, some of the so-called black exploitation movies, mm -hmm. but I liked Willie Allen's work. Mm -hmm. He works with ensembles. And mm. Anyway, <clears throat> let me just say that this, this whole issue, you know, the challenge of blackness, the challenge to black people, Mm. It's just the society is rife with it because if I had been turned on to the modern, the modernist writers, God or Allah knows what I would have been. Mm. But there were writers mm -hmm. contemporary to my upbringing that I didn't even get to like. Till I got to college. I mean, I wrote constantly in the Marine Corps. Mm -hmm. I never heard of T.S. Eliot. Oh. <laughs> now, I heard of Robert Frost because he got that in high school. Mm -hmm. But I'm just saying, I stumbled across William Faulkner. Mm. And <clears throat> so what I'm saying is, and then in, in school, and then the black modernist writers you weren't introduced you weren't introduced no. to Margaret Langston Walker. Hughes. No, no, Langston Langston Hughes. Hughes. We had you know we had Richard we had Wright. To, we had to learn uh, uh, Dunbar's, mm -hmm. you know Dunbar, and but not none of the other. Now, the interesting thing is, the one Gwendolyn Brooks won the Pulitzer Prize in 1950. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. I, we were told, but it was a note on the kiosk on the current events board, mm -hmm. and it said the first Negro to win the one that pulled the prize. And I'm thinking, like, I'm in junior high school. What if? What if? Uh, maybe I was in, coming out of elementary school. Mm -hmm. 
did I? What if somebody had given me Gwendolyn Brooks's poem? Hmm. It was a Negro first. Mm-hmm. See, that's that's the that's the way stuff gets watered down to you. Mm. And you know, it you was just a Negro made... first, which was big. Mm-hmm. We didn't know what hell Pulitzer Prize was. And you just when made was... me think of a phrase that we're kind of kept starved of each other. We starve, starve black mm-hmm. children of uh, black reflection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think sometimes I tend to go over, I mean, I tend to go overboard sometimes, even with children. I say certain things mm-hmm. to make them think. <laughs> I remember one day we were riding in the car and I said to Ram that I saw a rabbit and I asked the rabbit how he was doing. He said, I, I'm not doing anything, I'm all ears. <laughs> and then I said, we passed the fox. There was a fox, a mm-hmm. fox in his yard on, on a leaf. Mm-hmm. And I passed by the fox, and I asked the fox, where you at to? He said, I'm just foxy. <laughs> so y'all said, y'all said, rabbits can't talk. Said, can't talk. <laughs> and you said, well, those could. <laughs> but right. <laughs> uh, and so part of it is, is when you spend 50 years making a living, Speaking in metaphors, oxymorons, mm-hmm. synecdoches, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it's infused. <laughs> it's your life. Look, just the other day in my new ninth grade writing classroom, I wrote a sentence on the board as an example. Mm-hmm. And one of the students said, Miss Redmond, that's not a sentence, that's a poem. Yeah. <laughs> so, And I looked at it and I thought, yeah, I don't write. Yeah. Very plain sentences, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they just saw, they just saw right through. Mm-hmm. They, that's not a sentence, Miss yeah. Raymond. That's a poem. But so anyway, um, as a young man, yeah, kept starved of black reflection. Right. How would you characterize who you were at seventeen and eighteen? Well, <clears throat> who was Eugene at that point? Well, seventeen, you know, I wasn't. I was far from being a virgin. Mm-hmm. I was also away from the kinds of confrontations with the law, I mean, the more mm-hmm. blatant confrontations with law, mm-hmm. I'd already had those. Mm-hmm. So I knew, if, if you might want to say it, how to keep my place to stay alive. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you hadn't gone to so, the dark side. You hadn't... Uh, uh, yeah. I you, knew I wasn't hustling gone. wasn't a, no, a, knew, a big right, percentage right. of how you got your income. No, the no, nightlife no. wasn't your thing. <clears throat> no, except that my brother thought so because <clears throat> of people I admired. Mm. And I'm, when I think about it, I'm not sure why I admired people in the underworld, the mm-hmm. black underworld. My brother was always worried, like you. You just, you just liked the wrong. Bit. <laughs> I knew, I always knew inside I wasn't going to do that. Mm-hmm. But it was, uh, for one thing, they were smart. Mm-hmm. They knew jazz. Mm-hmm. They knew how to dress. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I kind of liked that. So that's who I was. I was, <clears throat> I was breaking away from the Seventh Day Adventist Church because. You know, every boy needed a job on Saturday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so was this about the time that you stopped attending? Yeah, well, it was coming. I started around 15 because I started babysitting. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> but I really broke away. And then, you know, ultimately when I joined the Marine Corps, 
Mm. I was excommunicated, you know. Oh, okay. You're not supposed to join the service? No, you're not. And, and if you are and all, and if you are drafted, you're supposed to do one of what? Three things. Be a librarian, mm-hmm. a medic, mm-hmm. or a cook. Interesting. Now, I joined the Marines. Mm-hmm. You enlisted. Which banished me. <laughs> and then Marines don't have medics. Mm. You know, move swift, get the job done. Mm-hmm. So Marines don't have medics mm-hmm. or, or chaplains. Mm-hmm. Marines don't have medics. Marines don't have chaplains. Mm-hmm. That's provided by the Navy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, somebody asked me, I came up, well, you, you could have been a chaplain. You could have been a chaplain. I mean, the Marines they don't have. Mm-hmm. Marines have one purpose mm-hmm. on Earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <coughs> so, so I'm, so I'm breaking away and uh, having sex, which is, you know, a no-no, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm uh, working on Saturday down at the hat shop because, when I, because I'm babysitting, and then when I'm, when I'm not babysitting, I can stay at one of my, one of my siblings' homes mm-hmm. and lie and tell my grandmother I'm babysitting, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> And then I just And thought, whose hat shop was it? Uh this was Chris's hat shop. Okay. Chris Polis. Now, his name was longer than that. Mm-hmm. But like the Jews, the Greeks cut their name. Mm-hmm. Like Spiro Agnew. Mm-hmm. It was like Spiro Agnolopoulos or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Spiro Agnew. Mm-hmm. Who was uh the um um vice president to uh for Nixon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Was it Nixon? <laughs> but the point is <laughs> mm-hmm. So, Jews, anybody with a name that you couldn't say the first time, mm-hmm. and black people mm-hmm. got the name changed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you notice that, see, because you would see a guy sign, or you'd see a name up there, but then that wasn't what the man was called when you went in there. Hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> see see mm-hmm. it up on, the, you know, up on the, the marquee or the... So the, the sign. So, so were you? So that, it sounds like you had also kind of worked life. your way out of hmm. worked your way out of a personal kind of poverty, because you had some money in your pocket. That's true. Did this change who you were able to date and you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I had some money in my pocket. As what's his name? Uh, I'm a dangerous man with some money in my pocket. <laughs> I, I walked in a place in Jamaica and said, mm-hmm. and you know, the, the singer. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember the song, though, but I can hear that lyric. And, and it's so... Bru- uh, Bruno Mars. That's, that's so... <laughs> Bruno Mars said that. And that's so colored. Uh-huh. Because and he's I quite heard it colored. all my life. <laughs> I'm a dangerous man with some money in my pocket. Keep oh, up. I said, I'm a dangerous <laughs> nigga with some money in my pocket. Right. But you <laughs> 24 karat magic, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bruno Mars. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. Than a fresh jaw skippy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so, so, you had some money in your had pocket. Some money in my pocket. You had some lyrics for these ladies around. I had here. some lyrics. For, that's right. <laughs> I, I was doo wopping. Mm-hmm. Not only was I, was I singing, Earth Angel, Earth Angel. Mm hmm. 
Will you be mine, my darling dear? Love you all the time. I'm just a fool, a fool in love with you. Mm -hmm. Now, that that came out while I was in junior high school. Mm -hmm. And one of the kids who wrote it, this is ironic, Mm -hmm. was from Chicago. For some reason, he came down here. I don't know if his father was in the Air Force or... Mm. But he co-wrote the song. I can't think of his name. What? He was in junior high school with me. That's crazy. Yeah, Earth Angel. <laughs> <clears throat> and, um, and so, yeah, so I, I was learning learning to rap. And, and we did use the word rap. Mm. We used the word rap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I saw Cab Calloway using that word, too, yeah, on it the wasn't, video. Um, it wasn't in the same context. Well, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it was because songified language, what we yeah. were later called song fired language, which is, you know, to play on mm-hmm. song high mm-hmm. and singing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> um, uh, the fired language, um, which I was later co- incorporated into my lectures, the major feature of uh, what we call uh, lectures on what we call the premarital um Socialization ritual. Mm. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we, we, you know, we put that language on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most definitely. When we came into the black, black developed black study. Right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, and that's that's who I was. What I was, I was writing. Um, there were several groups in the neighborhood. Uh, there was a, a group, uh, the Howard brothers down the street. Garland Howard and his brother. There were whole all kinds of groups around. There were mm-hmm. the Canaries um, that, at Lincoln with me, and mm-hmm. you know they would have put the Temptations and the Miracles out of business. Mm. But one of them was charged with rape. Oh no! Uh, by a white girl who oh no who freely get uh, opened her legs for black boys, mm-hmm. and something happened. Everybody knew it. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody knew it. She was one of the White trapped in the black community when mm. after the flight of the white. Okay. Yeah. So her family was not wealthy enough, or maybe had some other dysfunction. Dysfunction that exactly. kept them. And, <laughs> and that was one of the behind things. left behind. Exactly. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't get caught up in the white rapture. That that's right. <laughs> that's one of the things you saw. Mm-hmm. And um, in the community too, mm-hmm. uh, the black community was almost hermetically. You know, still as a black community, except for the merchants who came in and those uh, pockets of a white house or two mm-hmm. or three, white residents, white residents uh, on two levels. One was the whites who were unable, unwilling to flee during the flight of the white. Are black men who married war brides, mm-hmm. who took war brides, and they were from. And I saw it from two two uh, two sides of the uh, world. Mm-hmm. One was the men who married German women, mm. okay, and the other was the men who married Japanese women mm-hmm. and Korean women, mm-hmm. because. There were, mm-hmm. you were, when Korea was over, 
We were stationed for for many years in Japan. Mm-hmm. Out of the Assars. Mm-hmm. Which is how you get a fantastic poet like Jane Cortez, because her grandfather married a Filipino woman when he was stationed in yeah. the Philippines. See that? Yeah. And then it becomes an American Negro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's um, yeah, very. Uh, mm-hmm. So that, that's a, so 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 the mix, you know, all that. What a what a what a uh, picture as I close my eyes or keep my eyes open mm-hmm. or open my ears wider mm-hmm. and I hear and hear women women next door to me singing in their native language language washing clothes mm-hmm. in a basin and washing them up mm-hmm. and, and hanging them up. Mm-hmm. Um, so a typical yeah. so, a so, so that was me mm-hmm. at seventeen and then we had we had teenage places. I mean, okay, so you guys had teenage places. We everything you needed as a black kid was there. Mm, you know, okay, we had the Masonic, where certain people were giving, uh, where where men uh, had nights there where they rented it for teenagers. Okay, you had the greenhouse. You had Sixth Street. I mean, these are these are these are like eighteen and under clubs. Yeah, exactly. Okay. These are places where you go dance and you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And um, and then you had these juke joints, so you could stand outside and listen to the music. And courtesy of some of us who cleaned the places in the daytime, mm-hmm. tear a hole uh, in the curtain or or take something and move the curtain. Or so, I mean, not the curtain, uh, shade, mm-hmm. <laughs> curtain, mm-hmm. shade, shade aside, so you could look in there and. Not only hear the music, but see people dancing belly to belly. <laughs> oh, by the way, we could not slow dance. We had dance classes in PE. Okay, so it, so it wa- would be ballroom. It was yeah, waltz and ballroom, and the no person, country uh, square the, dance. The, no, we didn't do do that. We did uh, ballroom, and we did uh, any of the Latin like salsa. No, no, that wasn't hadn't come no. yet. But uh. Anyway, the principal said <clears throat> to us, and we would we would just crack up. He said, "No touching belly to belly. That's how girls get pregnant." Mm. <laughs> and we say, even the dumbest, slowest cardiac or seventh day Adventist knows that's not how girls get pregnant. So when you guys had <laughs> high school dances. Had you gotten to the point where people stood in front of each other and grooved, or were you expected to do? Uh, ballroom style dance or no, no, you see, there weren't high school dances, okay. There was a part of PE, okay, that was dancing, okay, and that was pretty much dancing <clears throat> ballroom, St. Louis Bop, mm-hmm. two step mm-hmm. variations on it, mm-hmm. and then individual, you know, okay. like contact, okay. right? No what, what people in Chicago call stepping, yeah, right, stepping, mm-hmm. right. no. <clears throat> Excuse me. No, no, no touching. Mm-hmm. Now, at the same time, you know, contemporary with that, aside, you know, simultaneously, people might be even, you know, people who were teenagers but out of high school might be dancing down the street mm-hmm. at a teenage place. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. they might. They would be. And that's where you could swing out and touch each other. That's right. And, that's right. And, yeah. And they were in every neighborhood. Mm-hmm. 
And then we came together, and a lot of times gang fights erupted because the clubs, the teenage uh, places, recreation center would be invaded by guys and maybe some girls from across town. Oh. And so the guys said, this is my turf, and then, so there were, there were lots of fights. Mm -hmm. um, so that was that was the picture, 17. Mm. Um, you even got in the car and you went to Edwardsville, you went to Alton, mm. because the, the black community there, and it was there, there's something about going looking for girls. Okay. So you'd be in uh, somebody's uncle's car, mm -hmm. somebody's daddy's car, mm -hmm. and you go up there, and they had the same kind of setup. Mm -hmm. They were somewhat different and seemed whiter than us. Okay. The the people because the blackness wasn't that thick. They didn't have as large of a black community. Yeah. You saying so they didn't have the intensification to to come out with a snoot. Cuisine. No. And they were smaller. I mean, mm -hmm. St. Louis was as big as Alton, Edwardsville, and Belleville together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so you had a larger population. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but yeah. they did mm -hmm. produce uh, Gene. Um, no, no, no. I can't think of the name. He died a few years ago. But he, he did. Uh, uh, was that I spy for the FBI, and uh, if loving you is wrong. Mm, okay. I don't want to be. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, he came out of Alton. Hmm. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that was happening. So that's that's kind of a poetry, <clears throat> civil rights, uh, dating. Uh, sometimes people who were dating were having sex. In the same house, it might be ten people mm -hmm. because there might be somebody gone, mm -hmm. somebody gone, somebody might have gone away for um, for for overnight or something like that. Mm -hmm. So everybody knew there wouldn't be any adults in the house. What kind of birth control were you all using? Um, different kind of birth control uh, condoms. Um, you could buy rubbers from the grocery store there. Yeah, you couldn't buy them, actually, but you get somebody to get them for you. You get somebody to get you got them, them for from, from an older brother or an uncle or something. And okay. there were people who sold them, you know. Okay. I mean, that was and a, were that, people using the unreliable pull-out method? <laughs> some of them. Some were, you know. And, 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 the recipe for getting pregnant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so, so that was that. Then uh, people were using pull-out, you mm -hmm. know. At the point of orgasm, mm -hmm. um, the 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 IV, not IV, intravenous, no, not IV. the birth control pill. No, the oh IUD. IUD. The IUD was just coming into okay. Uh, <clears throat> into, okay. Into use at the time, and I think they might have had contraceptive sponges that women could that, insert that, they into. They did. They did. They did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. What about the so, sexual politics of the time? And we'll we'll end there. Um, did you get the impression that girls were marked if they were in a monogamous sexual relationship? Even then, they were still were they seen as ruined or fast, or was there? A, a formula to being seen as ruined or fast. There was a formula to it. There was a formula there to it. There was a formula it. to it. And the it. formula included? The formula included uh, how 
how quickly in the serialization monogamy occurred. Mm-hmm. You know, there were people that started going to, going together in junior high school, mm-hmm. and they stayed together. So mm-hmm. everybody looked at them like they were married. Okay. Right. Right. Okay. There were That's Jackie and Jane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jackie and Jane. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <clears throat> and so... Uh, and there were variations on that. So that, that's the way it was. It was, um, lo and be- for God's sake, don't let two boys who have had sex with the same girl say anything about it. Oh. That was ruinous. That was ruinous. Yeah. Then you were, uh, yeah. you was probably a whore. But then, uh, exactly. <laughs> At that point. Exactly. Right. But there were exceptions to that rule. Mm. There were, there were women who could pull up out of that, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. because they handled themselves like they were the conquerors. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I can just, I can look at them right now. I can see them walk, walking down the hall, mm-hmm. you know. And I remember embarrassing things of girls walking down the ha- hall and coming on their period, mm. bleeding from behind, mm-hmm. and everybody, you know, some of uh, Somebody would come, teach would come up and put a coat around them or something, or maybe they walked for a period and done it, not even aware of it mm-hmm. for a period of period, no pun intended. Right. Walking down the hall, and Lincoln had a hall that was like a quarter of a mile long. Mm-hmm. Almost. Mm-hmm. You know, it was really, it was beyond here to that building, the mm-hmm. hall in the bit. Mm-hmm. So. Right. My dad is pointing out of his window where yeah. where it has begun to snow. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but that was part of the sexual politics. And um, and then there were, um, you know, oral sex was taboo mm-hmm. if you talked about it. <laughs> okay. Sort of like being gay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just you don't just, say you anything. just didn't say it. <laughs> right? Right. But openly, right. it was taboo. Okay. You know? And I think that most people weren't participating in it at the time. Mm-hmm. Hadn't gotten to that. Mm-hmm. I think most people hadn't gotten to it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> there were boys who offered that as a way into sex. You know, sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I can see the guys. I, I see them. I see them whispering in girls' ear and getting slapped or mm-hmm. getting cursed out. Or I can see a guy sort of creeping along the auditorium and whispering in a girl's ear mm-hmm. that he wanted to have sex. And she would shout out, yeah, if you give me some head <laughs> and blow his cover. There were girl, I mean, there were girls like that. Right. Who, uh, gang, there were gang leaders, you know. Right. Yeah, and she was, you know, I mean, I, I've seen it several times. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows what he said <laughs> and why she was responding. I like that. The lights go up like... Okay, you, you, and you. <laughs> but okay, I, wait. I've got to stop you right there. We're gonna we're gonna continue this next time we talk. <laughs> but you know what? I think this has been very interesting to get an insight into who you were as a as a young man and uh, what your what your lived environment kind of looked like, felt like. Um, so this is the memoir. My dad wouldn't write, and we will see you or hear you next time.